Well, we, uh, I mentioned it here a little bit earlier, but we are in the midst of a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's based uh, kind of on a book and a sermon series by Craig Groeschel. Um, if you've never read it, if you've never checked it out, I would encourage you to do that because there's good stuff for us in it. It has nothing to do with me because we're talking about biblical truths, um, but there's good things for each and every one of us. And so uh, we're talking about the war in our mind. We're talking about the struggle that we have internally every single day. Um, and I, I know it's a little different for each of us, but it's a, something that we all walk through. And so even though I think if we sat there and looked at, if we, if we truly assessed our lives, I think we could all come to the same conclusion that we have been blessed far beyond what we deserve, right? Our lives have been blessed far beyond anything we could earn, deserve, or accomplish on our own. But it still leaves something, you know, there's, there's things in our lives that still affect us negatively. If we sit there too long with nothing to do, nothing to focus on, our minds can drift. And we talked about last week that when our minds drift, typically they don't drift to positive, uplifting things. They drift to the stresses, the anxieties, the challenges of our day, the things that we struggle with that maybe no one else knows about. And so we've been talking about navigating our minds this month because it's a tricky place and most of life's battles are won or lost in our minds. There's things that come into play, outside forces that come into play in our lives, things that we don't have control over. We can't control people as hard as we might try at times. Um, we can't control situations at work. There's things that affect us that we have no control over, and then we're left with a choice, um, and we're left with these thoughts that we think. And so today, we're, we're kind of tackling some of these negative thoughts that we can experience in our lives. What we put in our minds comes out in our lives. We talked about that the past couple weeks as well. So looking at winning the war in our minds, the first week we identified strongholds in our life that Satan wanted to establish, things that we struggle with, whether it's, it could be uh, an area of sin that we deal with or it could be just an area of confidence or self-esteem or um, being uh, held uh, onto your mistakes, defined by those mistakes, whatever it is. There's a, an area in our life that Satan wants to establish and he wants to just bring that up all day every day and he wants to trap you in that stronghold so the first week we identified it and we talked about replacing the lie with uh, with truth from scripture with truth from god's word and replacing it with the person of jesus that guilt the shame the lies the misconceptions that he worked so hard to get us to focus on we replace those with god's truth and then last week we touched on training our minds to combat the attacks of the enemy to to get to a point where we know how to respond we don't we're not caught on our heels we know how to with jesus's help move forward in that war in our minds so just uh, to kind of go all the way back, the verses that we focused so far uh, on in this series, primarily it's been 2 Corinthians 10, three through five. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
The point is this, we don't have to sit by and just let Satan have free reign over our lives. And with the help of God, with the help of uh, scripture that he's given us, we can do something about it. So today we're, we're tackling negative thoughts. And we're not necessarily gonna highlight the types of negative thoughts because we can all apply those to our own lives. We all know what those are. But we're gonna talk about what to do with those because those are very, very real whether they're negative thoughts about situations or about yourself or about your coworker, your family member, whatever it is, negative thoughts, they, they're part of, unfortunately, human nature. And this thought that I'm about to share with you doesn't seem super spiritual, but it, it actually is. We talked about this. Um, uh, the, our life is dire- uh, headed in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The things that we spend the most time thinking about Ultimately, that's where our life is headed. So we have to do something about the type of thoughts that we think. So understatement of the century, right? Life is tough, right? Anyone agree with that? Like life is not easy. Um, We all experience loss, pain, disappointment, failure, heartbreak, whatever it is, we experience those things. Sometimes it feels like we're the only one who deal with it, but I assure you that we are not. And it can be challenging to handle these because we try to handle them on on our own. And we know now that that's just not possible. That's not how God created us to be. So part of navigating those difficult times of life is having the right perspective, having the right outlook, because that really sets your course um, through those areas. Now, I told you earlier uh, in the series, I am in no way, shape, or form a scientist. I know nothing virtually about the the human brain. Um, And so in my reading, I came across a term called cognitive bias, um, just there, I mean, maybe a couple people know what that might be. AJ is nodding his head, um, it, which makes sense. He should know that. That's great. Um, but cognitive bias, it's, it can be at the center of some of our incorrect processing of how we go through life. When we experience something, we, we subject our interpretation, our approach to that scenario. Um, we subject it through our cognitive bias. Basically, it's the mental filter that we experience life through, right? So you have your own set of unique experiences, unique circumstances, unique outcomes of situations. And what happens is over time, that influences how you experience life. Things that are very, they're personal to you, you uh, they, they don't apply to everyone else. Um, it, it changes the way we look at things. It changes the way that we experience thing, uh, things in life. They're your own, they're very real. They can and do cause us to things, see things inaccurately in our lives. Um, it's silly things like uh, if you ever, if, you know, you're introduced to someone and, and they say, hi, my name, my name is Don but your brain was elsewhere and you just hear the end of that word, on, right? Your brain then is gonna fill it in a couple different ways. They might pick Don, or if you have a bunch of Johns in your life, it's gonna fill it out as John, and then you're gonna call that poor guy John for six months until they tell you that it's wrong. So your, your experience, what's around you, helps fill in how you experience things uh, in life. And um, uh, I, I love this story and maybe you won't, but I think it's funny. Um, my sister kind of, my sister Rebecca, for those of you who know, um, she did this a lot as a young child. And um, she would be so sure 
of something and she would be ready to fight you that she knew what she was talking about and she had no idea what she was talking about. And one of the funniest things that that I remember as a kid, there was, uh, I know Pastor Kevin has talked about his affinity for commercials, right? For whatever reason in our family, commercials stick way more than they should. And so there was this commercial when we were young, my sister was probably five. So that would have put me in like the eight-year-old range, nine. Um, And it was a commercial for Mazda, and they're, they're partway through the commercial and then this little kid would pop up and he would say two words. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about? Anyone remember this? This little kid would stop and he would say, zoom, zoom, yes. And then the, the song behind it was like, zoom, zoom. You know, so that was like their theme. And for some reason, my sister, when she heard those words, she interpreted it as something else. And so she would be watching television and this commercial would come on and it would get to the little kid and with, with all the confidence in the world, she would shout out, soap suds. <laughs> and you would tell her, Rebecca, it's zoom, zoom. No, it's not. No, it's not. That, and she would literally argue about that. Now I have no idea how she got to that point. Like what influenced her, her hearing in that moment to hear it as such, but she was so confident that, that it, like, we would have some humorous debates and she, ultimately she would get mad because she thought we were teasing her, which we were. Um, but it influenced how she interpreted that commercial. And she's probably gonna text me and tell me, it is soap suds, you jerk. Um, but how we go through experiences, it's impacted by, by where we are in life. She was a kid, so maybe she just loved bubble baths. I don't know. But what we experience in life, um, it changes how we interpret uh, things further on in life. So an unfortunate example with that is uh, something along the lines of maybe someone is here today or maybe we know somebody who grew up around an abusive father. And what that does is that can change your perspective the rest of your life. It can change how you view men based on your experience with your own father, even when it's unfair or inaccurate. You might've grown up in a house that maybe there was this perspective of people who are successful were only successful because they took advantage of others or they, they exerted their power over people. That's a, that's a real thing that I think people experience. And now maybe you're experiencing success in your own life and you're dealing with this guilt and some of these, these feelings that maybe you didn't think of before. Our experiences, what we deal with in life, very accurately that is true to us, it influences how we go through life. That's that cognitive bias. The filters that we have change how we see life. It's like Instagram or Snapchat for anyone who's ever used those. Um, You have a filter that you can lay over your photo that changes the entire makeup of that photo. And sometimes they help. Sometimes it's like, are you actually a puppy dog? I don't think so. Um, but it changes what, how those come across. Filters change how we see things. Changing the filter or the way that you see life can change how you feel about life and what we experience. So it's kind of like the cognitive bias is like our default filter. How do we approach a situation? What do we bring with us? Whether or not we can see it or know it. And how do we look at that? I've said this before, um, and we're talking about this a little bit, but I have, at least in our office, um, 
I have, the, I have the tendency to view a situation with a critical bias. I'm always trying to come up with what we have to do to make it work. What could go wrong? How can we avoid something bad happening? Or um, I try to phrase it as like, I'm actually being helpful and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it's, I don't know where it comes from, but that's part of who I am. So I know that when I approach a situation, my mind is gonna look at some of the pitfalls and so we have to be aware of what we bring to the table, um, the way we're kind of pre-wired through our experiences and how we interpret what is going ahead of us. And it's interesting, you realize the differences in people, whether it's in your marriage or in your family, how you can experience the same situation two different ways, right? The exact same information, the facts are the same, but the filter is a little bit different. And... Um, this one is more so humorous, but on Friday, uh, I was in Appleton with my mom. We were just running some errands. We were doing some shopping. And I would have, I would have, uh, I would have traded like my left arm to go to Chipotle. Um, I just, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite places. But I knew that my mom, when she goes to Chipotle and she tries their amazing cilantro rice, she tastes something different that is not actually there. She tastes soap. Anyone, anyone else in here? Okay, I got a couple nods. I know, I've heard a number of people who that's how they experience. I don't understand that. I, I have no idea. It's a difference in the human body, I guess, but it's the same, the facts are the same, but the experience is different. It's kind of the same in our lives. And it happens in church life. Two people could walk through the doors of this church or any church, and one could leave saying, all Christians are hypocrites. I can't believe that worship team didn't sing my favorite song. That pastor is an idiot. That they could say those things. Some may, hopefully not. But um, meanwhile, the other person that walked in there could could think the same or the opposite thing. These people are so welcoming. You know, worship today was incredible. I, I it was God spoke to me. Maybe God brought me here for a reason. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. And I'm getting to ways to apply this. But in scripture, we see this. Um, in Numbers 13 and 14, we see that Moses, there he has the people of Israel. He's leading them to the promised land and he sends out spies and he tells them, check it out. See what's there. See what the, the land is like, what the people are like. Can we defeat them? What the food is like? He sends them out with instructions and all of them, they go into the, um, to the promised land and they see and experience the exact same thing. But then in Numbers 13, verses 31 and 32, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread, um, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are giants. They're people of great size. So one group says, no way, we can't do it. There's giants, the land, we can't deal with the land. We, we just can't do this. But then in Numbers 14, verses six through nine, I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch one of these names. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of whoever that is, 
who were among these who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Same facts, different filter. Two of them saw the experience through a filter of faith and trusting God, knowing that despite what they see, God had made them a promise and that's how that that promise was gonna come to be. But the other 10, they saw that, that, that land through a filter of fear. They saw it through their own human eyes and their human experience, and they weren't able to separate those. And here's the thing, the ease of negativity won. Being negative, I already told you, being negative is easy. Looking at a situation negatively is easy. And in this situation, the ease of negative, negativity won and their response ultimately cost the people of Israel to, they had to wander the desert and, and those people didn't experience God's promise for them. It changed, uh, the filter changed how they felt. It changed their faith, their ability to have faith and ultimately it affected their future. And so it's not just about the filter, Uh, the cognitive bias that we all have, but it's how we frame the situation. And those two sound kind of similar, but the frame provides boundaries to the filter, right? A picture frame says the picture cannot go beyond here. And I think it's an important way to look at that. So we have to have a different way to approach situations, a different way to look at things in life that are happening to us and around us. How, you, how do you frame something, okay? Think, just think of this, because this is a real scenario. You wake up, and the second your eyes are open, you already have too much to do, right? The kids are out of control. I gotta go work with some people that I'd rather not work with. I, my car is garbage and probably won't make it. I can't get it all done. My spouse is driving me crazy. I hate my job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's times where that's the frame that we put our day into. And um, it's kind of like the first picture that I have back there, Mark. The picture is kind of dark, right? It's, it's dark, it's gloomy, there's nothing good that's gonna happen when we look at it through that frame. But then what happens if we flip that frame, we change it up, and we think, you know what, I have a lot to do today, but I know that God is with me. I know that God will give me the strength I need to get through the day. I'm thankful that he's blessed me with a job, a clunker that gets me to that job, not to mention the skills to do that job and the patience to get through the day. And it, they may not be perfect, but my coworkers were in it together and God, I thank you for them. I didn't mean to look at you directly, Kay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm thankful for a family that you've given me and that we have a roof over our heads. It's literally the same day, but you approach it with a different frame around it, which leads us to the second picture. Go ahead, Mark. And that picture is, that's a lot more enjoyable to look at, right? There's there's a little hope that's there. Um, There's a little bit different perspective that we can bring. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Ben, you don't know what 
my house is like. You don't know what my job is like. You don't know X, Y, and Z. You're right, I don't. But I know that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you choose to frame it, which leads us to that third picture. It's the same picture, but you frame a different portion of it. It's the same day, it's the same life that we walk through every single day, but the question is, how do we choose to frame it? If we choose to frame the bad times, the negative parts, obviously that's gonna be where our focus is. That's what's gonna happen in our life. Every situation holds more than one way to view it, one way to experience it, and one way to learn from it. So the question is, the question I'm asking myself is how am I gonna frame my day? How can I frame my day in a way that pushes me closer to God, that allows me to rely on him more and utilizes the strength that he gives me? An easy place for negative thoughts to take over our lives are areas that aren't going the way that we think they should. Because we always know exactly how life should go, right? And sometimes it's like God doesn't realize how our life should go because we've planned it out and he didn't, he didn't you know, consult us. Um, and so it's easy to get discouraged when life isn't going the way that we think it should. Dep- disappointment is a powerful emotion. Disappointment in people and situations and outcomes, it's a powerful emotion. It can come in the form of a job that you work so hard to get, you're qualified for, and then something happens and it doesn't work out. It can come in the, the, the sense of a marriage that you've prayed for, you've committed to, you've worked through, and then there's, there's other things at play. And here you are, it, it doesn't look the same way that it once did. But Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans that, uh, in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We have a plan, but that doesn't mean that God's plan looks exactly the same way. The outcome could be the same, but the route to get there might look a little bit different. The apostle Paul understood what this was like. His life was a roller coaster. Um, If you think about it, he thought he was doing what was right by persecuting and killing the early Christians. And that like, he felt that that was, that was his natural conviction that he felt like he was doing what was right. And then he ended up encountering God and his life was changed and he loved God. He wanted to do what God had for him. And uh, his dream, the God dream that he received was to travel to Rome to preach the gospel and to make a difference and to be used to grow that early church. Well, part of that came true. You know, he got to Rome and uh, just didn't look like the way he thought it would. He got to Rome as a prisoner as that, there's something wrong in that, you know, the parallel there. Um, an outcome that's less than ideal. He was locked up. He was unable to do what he felt like God had called him to do in that place. He was facing possible execution and he still had a couple ways he could frame that experience. He could have written a letter to the Philippians and said, well, guys, good luck because I'm in prison and I'm gonna die here and you're on your own, see ya. He could have done that. But instead, in Philippians chapter one, verses 12 and 13, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul literally, he, he literally looked at his imprisonment as a blessing. Now that is a, that's some, somebody who needs you know, I don't get that, right? But he chose to frame it 
through the lens of everything being part of the process to, being making, to make sure that, that people knew the hope of Jesus, knew the hope that Christ offered. He knew that every eight hours, there would be a change in that guard and he would have a new audience that couldn't ignore him, that he could tell them about God's love, that he could tell them about what the person of Jesus did here on earth. And um, he viewed that as something to be celebrated. And it made me think, how often do we find ourselves right where we felt like God was calling us, but he didn't bother to ask us if the route was okay? Because ultimately, Paul got to where he needed to go. It just looked a little bit different than he had in mind. He even went as far as saying in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I didn't, I've never really understood that. And so I did a little research on that. And basically the thought is that Paul got to the point where he didn't care if he lived or died. Because if he lived, he would continue to tell people about the gospel and, and they would experience God. And if he died, he got to be in heaven with him. So he just got to a point where he didn't care, which is an incredible perspective. So very quickly, like the quickest three points in the history of points uh, in the next five, five minutes, Caitlin's been yelling at me because I went long the last couple of weeks. So um, very quickly, three things to help us reframe, you know, to frame our perspective, to frame how we view life. Number one, thank God for what didn't happen. Seems a little backwards, doesn't it? But I also think it's part of, part of, part of how we should experience life. We thank God for what he did, but we can also thank God for what he, he kept us from what he kept out of our lives. I think that's a huge thing. It's kind of like a, a, a kid who approaches his parents and says, hey, mom, dad, we need to talk. And if a kid says that, then it's, something's really going on. And he says, you know, I was sitting there the other day in class and um, I saw the kid in front of me. I saw his phone sticking out of his backpack. And, you know, I was thinking, you told me I couldn't get an iPhone and for something in my brain, something happened and I, I took his phone. And he turned around and he accused me of it. We argued back and forth. Pretty soon we fought. And um, just so you know, mom and dad, uh, I got expelled today. You know, mom and dad, what would your response be? Are you kidding me? What, what is wrong with you? That would be probably my question. And he, the kid looks up and he kind of calmly says, actually, I just got a D on my algebra test. It could be a lot worse, couldn't it? <laughs> we can thank God for what didn't happen we shouldn't overlook what did happen, what he did do, but we can thank him for what didn't happen. You might've missed some goals at work and as a result, you're, you're gonna miss out on a bonus. Well, you can be thankful that you didn't lose your job. You still have that. Maybe there's a car wreck. There's a, a family in the church I was just talking to. They had a, a, a car accident take place and cars totaled, had to buy a new one. The situation just is crummy, but you know what? The person driving that car was was safe, nobody was hurt. We can thank God for what didn't happen. Psalm 138 verse seven says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. A thought that I think is worth remembering is, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. We can't always see what God's actively doing, but if we take some time, we can see what he's done and what he'll continue to do in our lives. Number two, we can practice pre-framing. We can pre-frame life. We can decide right now how we will choose to handle, to walk through and experience the challenges of life. 
Our thoughts set up how we'll experience a situation. If we head into a meeting and all we're thinking about is this is gonna be horrible, I can't stand these people, it's a waste of time, nothing will be accomplished, that is exactly how it will turn out. If for no other reason, then that's just your attitude. Believe me, I've I've been there. So we want to flip that. We can choose to, uh, to look at it and see, you know what? There's, there's gonna be some things that take place here today. There's gonna be good that happens in my, in my day. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a name it, claim it sort of thing, but we're, we're pursuing after God. We want what's best for us based on what God has for us. So how do we pre-frame a situation that you don't have any desire to be part of? And the, the one thing I could come up with is just to have a heart of gratitude. Gratitude is interesting. It's not November, so... We're, but we are gonna, I want to talk just for a moment about gratitude. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude is literally the best tool that we have to allow us to be able to frame life, to frame our experiences in life with a level-headed approach. We don't have to know the outcome but we can have gratitude for what God has done to bring us to that point. We can honor God in that situation with gratitude. The Mayo Clinic says that gratitude can improve sleep, improve mood, improve immunity, while decreasing depression, anxiety, and chronic pain or risk of disease. Gratitude is an incredibly powerful, not even just emotion, but a decision. And I think that as we navigate life, as we experience challenging parts in our life, if we can develop gratitude, it will help us frame that situation appropriately. It'll help us give us the filter of God being present, even though in that moment we can't see it. And it's kind of tied into the third one. Very quickly, we can look for God's goodness. Again, we said earlier, I don't know what God's doing, but I know what he's done. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights, of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. The goodness of God is everywhere. It's all around us. It can be found in our families. It can be found in nature. It can be found in how God intervenes in our situations. It's all over the place, but it's easy to miss if we're not looking for it. Have you ever started the process of purchasing a new vehicle and you're, you're looking around to find where has the best option and all this sort of stuff. And before then you never noticed Chevy Traverses, but the second you turn your, your attention towards it, all you see are Chevy Traverses. That, that's it. The same is looking for things like God's goodness in our lives. It's easy to miss when we're not looking for it. But when we turn our attention to him, when we turn our attention to find the, the areas in our lives that God is at work in, pretty soon it becomes overwhelming because we feel like we've just missed out on so much. When in reality, that's just how good God is. And so I really think that that's kind of, that's how we can establish gratitude in our lives is look for God's goodness. Seeing God's goodness in our families, in our jobs, at home, in nature, whatever it is, it builds that gratitude in our lives and it allows us to put life in the frame of gratitude and helps us keep our eyes on Him in all situations. Because really at the end of the day, no matter what we face, 
we have to be looking at Jesus, right? It doesn't matter what's in front of us as long as what's between us in that situation is Jesus. Peter was fine walking on the water as long as he looked at Jesus. And the second he turned his attention, he fell, he drowned, you know, he fell into the water. And so as we work through life, as we deal with a war in our mind, if Jesus is the first thing that we're looking at, he will serve as that frame. He'll serve as that filter in our lives. He'll allow us to view things through his goodness, through who he is in our lives, the plans that he has for us. And pretty soon we're not seeing that storm quite the same. And it's a little bit easier to make sense of because we have Jesus inserted into the scenario. And so just as we close here for just a moment, um, I just want you to be thinking about growing a sense of gratitude in your life, looking for God's goodness. Maybe you can start that right now, asking God to show you areas of your life that maybe you've overlooked before, but they wouldn't be the way they are without God because we all have those in our lives. And I simply just want to encourage you to implement those, those thoughts here going uh, here from this place. Thank God for what didn't happen. Practice pre-framing and look for God's goodness. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you that, um, God, you want to be active in our lives. You want to be part of our day. And that, God, if we can simply insert you into the equation, if the first thing we think of in the morning is not the meetings, is not the the car is not the dishwasher that needs to be fixed. It's not the health diagnosis, whatever it is. If the first thing that hits our minds in the morning is you and your goodness, God, I thank you that, that you will, you'll, you'll work on the rest of our day. You'll work on, on the way that we view everything that happens the remainder of that day. And God, if we can develop that habit, I believe that, that it gives us a, a different sense of connection to you each and every day. And God, I pray that you would show us areas of your goodness that we've overlooked. God, I pray that you would convict us when we've ignored the, the parts of our life that you have truly blessed us in, as simple or as, as complex or complicated as they may be. And God, as we continue to battle this war in our minds, I pray that we would sense your presence. And God, I pray that you would encourage people that just by your presence in their life, you walking alongside of them, God, you give us the strength to face whatever it is in front of us. And Lord, I pray that we would, um, through hearts of gratitude, be able to see you at work and know that, that you can continue to do the same things. You can continue to bring us through whatever that, that battlefield, that war uh, in our mind is about. God, I thank you that that you care enough about us to be involved in those, those battles, in that war that's going on in our minds. And I pray that you would give us the strength each and every day to rely upon your promises and your presence in our lives to do just that. We pray these things in your name, amen. I hope that you 
have a blessed week and that you can kind of reflect on some of these thoughts, look for God's goodness. And I'd love to love to hear if you're surprised by some of the things that are there that maybe you didn't realize. But um, grab some, before you leave, grab some coffee, grab some snacks, take some time to say hi to a couple people. Uh, we love you. And uh, thank you for worshiping with us here today. Have a great week.